0: Welcome to FMC Radio, your officially unofficial source for all things Free Methodist. From in-depth discussions with key FMC leaders to daily updates from General Conference, we want to keep a consistent stream of information flowing to you regarding where God is leading the Free Methodist Church. I'm your host, Josh Avery, and I want to invite you to sit back, relax, and join us as we learn together now what it means to be Free Methodists in this episode of... The FMC Radio Show. November 25th, 128. And uh, today we have a couple different announcements to make. Uh, the first is um, maybe you've been looking for just the right gift. Of course, people are trying to find things for Christmas time. Um, but there are all sorts of amazing books in the Light and Life bookstore. And um, you can access that via the website, of course. But coming up very soon, November 29th through December 2nd. So it is a short time. But November 29th through December 2nd, they are having a special sale. It's 20% discount on any book that is in the Light & Life bookstore. Now, you need a special code in order to get that discount upon checkout. You need to type in CHRISTMAS20. That's CHRISTMAS20. And when you type that in, you get 20% off. Of any purchase that you're going to make through the Light and Life bookstore, so that would be a perfect time if you've been waiting to to buy maybe one of the Bishop's new books or one of the you know FreeMo journals that has come out this year that you didn't have the time to get yet or didn't have the money to get or whatever um, or want to give a gift of one of these books to somebody else. This is the perfect time to go ahead over there um, November 29th through December 2nd and purchase the uh, one of those books or maybe multiple books. I don't know. Maybe you maybe you need a few books. You're like me. You have. Too many books. Um, you know, you, the thing is, if you love books, you can never have too many books. But it almost becomes an obsession, doesn't it? Uh, like I, I feel like I have so many books and then I'm like, oh, but I don't have this book and I need this book. Uh, and you know, you get the book and then it's in the pile of things to read. Thankfully, I do uh, read pretty much everything that I get. It just sometimes takes a little while once I buy it to read it uh, because I'm so, uh, stacked up from buying books that uh, you know they're they're kind of piled up in a in a log of I need to get to them once I can finish the ones that I'm currently reading uh, maybe you're that same way um, also some other things um, that are exciting that that uh, have been announced and and talked about. Um, and I, noticed, I I missed this. This was actually mentioned two weeks ago in an article written by Jeff Finley. And I'll just read a little bit about it. Um, Outreach Magazine is known for its annual 100 issue that honors the fastest growing and largest churches in the United States. And this year, the magazine added a new recognition, the 100 plus reproducing churches in America. And a free Methodist congregation, Light and Life Christian Fellowship in Long Beach, California, received significant coverage for its multiplication efforts. Light and Life lead pastor Larry Wachemeyer is quoted extensively in the article, The Church Multiplication Challenge, that appears in the print and online editions of the 100 issue. And the magazine's website includes a profile of the congregation, Becoming a River Church, Light and Life Christian Fellowship. Now, I will put a link um, in the notes today to both the uh, article by Jeff Finley and then also the Outreach Magazine article, um, the one that I just referenced, titled "Becoming a River Church," Light and Life Christian Fellowship. They did an entire, um, an entire article on it, and it's uh, kind of interesting the, the 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 way they catch your attention at the beginning of the article. They just say how a church with thirty-nine parking spots has reached thousands. So that's a, 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 a pretty interesting thing, grips your attention like, oh, okay, how are they going to, you know, how are they even going to fit that many people? You know, how to, what, what does that mean? So I'll put a link in there and you can read more about what's going on at Light and Life um, and congratulations to them for being uh, featured in the Outreach Magazine 100 issue this year. Um, also, I just want to, as I mentioned last week, um, give that uh, continued Um, request to any listeners that would be willing to support the next upcoming year of this podcast of FMC Radio Uh, we will be up with Podbean as far as the annual subscription to Podbean the software that we use for, for Kind of putting this out publicly. Uh, that will be up in in February, and it's $108 for the next year. I have uh, for the first three years done that myself, but I, I'm not able to to pay that this year. Um, so I'm asking if anybody is willing to give even a small amount towards that amount. Um, it's an all-or-nothing campaign, and so if you're willing to give, uh, please contact me in any way through the Facebook page, Twitter, um, my cell phone, uh, you know, whatever. However. However and whenever you want to, uh, please feel free to contact me and that would be awesome if anybody can help. I do uh, plan to put out a special update about that this week to try to um, gain some some more momentum on this. Um, so that's kind of the going quickly, uh, moving quickly through some of the announcements and some of the recaps, some of the things that have been going on. But now I want to slow down for a moment here um, because, of course, we are moving into uh, the week of Thanksgiving this week. And um, even if you're listening to this after Thanksgiving, I want you to, you know, take the time to listen here for a moment because I want to give you this gift here um, of, we're just going to take 30 seconds and um, we've done this similar on the show before. Um, but this is something that's inspired by Fred Rogers, of course, Mr. Rogers, and uh, you know the new movie just came out with Mr. Rogers, um, featuring Tom Hanks, and I went and saw it on opening night. It was—it's an amazing movie. Totally recommend it. Uh, but that is not what I'm, what this segment is about today. Uh, Mr. Rogers was famous for um, taking time out and slowing down and giving people a chance in the normally busyness of the day to just stop and give thanks. And a lot of times he would say, "You know, take this time to think of somebody who helped you be the person that you are today." And as we go into Thanksgiving, I—it's—it's uh, it's against our, you know the normal flow of our lives to stop and just sit in silence. It's almost awkward sometimes. We feel like we need to get to some more noise. We need to turn on some music if it's too quiet. We need to, you know, skip ahead to the podcast section where the voice comes back. But for a moment here, I'm just going to give you 30 seconds of silence on the podcast. And I would ask that you wouldn't skip forward or, or, you know, jump ahead or listen to something else or whatever, but that you would just take these 30 seconds of silence as this gift you would think for the next 30 seconds to thank God for the things that he has given you in your life. Maybe it is the people that have gotten to you to the, to the place where you're at today. Maybe it's the things that you don't normally give thanks for. Maybe the things that you'd overlook in the day-to-day. Focus on that. Maybe it's specific family members. I don't know what will come to your mind, but for the next 30 seconds I want to give you this chance to think and thank God for the things in your life that you need to be thankful for. 30 seconds. Dear God, we do thank you for everything that we um, often overlook when we think about what we're thankful for. For some reason, we always have the same answers, and it's great to be thankful for 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 food, be thankful for our house, you know, be thankful for um, even family. I mean, these things are things that come to our mind right away, but we just thank you for some of the things that we may not even consider a lot of times i'm looking right now lord at today's free methodist world missions prayer guide that we're that we're looking at for today and i'm i'm thinking about what they ask us to pray for in argentina i'm looking at uh, the fact that there's formerly abandoned children who are now serving as leaders in the church and studying at the bible institute and god we many of us listening to this podcast today we could never we we we, we can't even think of what it would be like to be abandoned, and maybe maybe there are some listeners who who have um, gone through the foster care process or adoption process, but to be completely abandoned as children um, is just something many of us cannot wrap our minds around. So we even thank you for for some things that you know we may overlook, just a a good education growing up, or you know parents that brought us to where we were, uh, um, the access. Many of us have. We talked about books earlier, the access many of us have to books and, and you know, the scriptures uh, freely and podcasts and resources and, you know, many, many countries that are not experiencing this opportunity that we have, many of us listening to this podcast have. And so we do thank you for all of these sort of things and, and we do take the time to thank you and to pray for these uh, leaders, these formerly abandoned children in Argentina, these leaders in the church and those who are studying at the Bible Institute there in Argentina. We pray for uh, the work of the missionaries there. We pray that these specific leaders would mature in their faith, that they would reach new communities across the country of Argentina, and that you would be the source of this growth, that people could look back to you and the things that you're doing in this country. And we just... uh, Ask that as we move into this crazy week of maybe seeing old faces, family members that we haven't seen in a while coming around the Thanksgiving table. Some people are excited to meet others who are listening now. They're they're maybe picturing a face that they're not excited to see. That you know maybe an annoying friend or family member that they have to put up with at the at the Thanksgiving day. And uh, we just pray right now that to anybody listening, that all of us here would would uh, be able to be your eyes and your ears and and even more specifically, your voice into these people's lives that we're going to see and that we're going to interact with, whether we uh, like their company or whether we don't. We just pray for this time that's coming up, that it would be um, pleasing to you and that you would be the guide. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, um, thanks for taking that time and uh, just focusing, and I hope that that's a continued prayer throughout this week that you continue to just, anytime you, you come into a realization of what you're thankful for, say, wow, some people don't have this. Some people don't have access to even the fact that I'm drinking a glass of water right now. People don't have access to clean drinking water. Let me give thanks for that. You know, just that little things as they come into your mind. I hope that that kind of continues throughout the week that you take a moment of silence and do it. Um, and so let's just take a break here and while I get things organized and we will be right back with... Um, our interview for today. Well, today we have with us uh, yet another individual from Rochester, New York, and specifically Edgewood. You may remember a few episodes ago, we talked to Ephraim Wilkoff from Edgewood, and it's, I don't know, it's a popular place. We're getting uh, all the people there. So today we have uh, with us Kim Roth, and Kim, thanks for coming on and talking to us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, um, I, I mean... I, until very recently, um, was not aware of you. I'm, I'm still learning. One reason we started this podcast is uh, not only for people to learn about what's going on in the Free Methodist Church across America, but also for myself <laughs> to learn a lot of things. So I didn't, I didn't know anything about you until uh, this month. I heard a little from Ephraim, and then I also read um, an article that referenced you a few times in This Month's Light and Life. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I just want to start out by, for my own sake and the sake of others, Um, Just for you to tell us a little bit of your personal story and um, I know in the article that was published for those who read it, um, it mentioned that you're an urban missionary to the city of Rochester. Um, It doesn't go into a lot more details on what that role entails. So tell us about kind of your journey, what led to that and then what this calling of being an urban missionary to the city of Rochester means.
1: Yeah. So. I grew up in Dearborn, Michigan. My dad was a pre-Methodist pastor there, um, and so when it was uh, time for me to choose a college, I went to Spring Arbor University. That's where I met my husband, and I majored in education um, there. But uh, my junior year in college, I had the opportunity to um, go on a spring break mission trip, and I chose to go to New York City. Um, it was targeted as a homeless ministry, and then we were off. Going to do some work with uh, children in the Harlem area, Um, and it was I. It's interesting from the very beginning as I look back at it why I even chose that. Um, I have since a very young age dealt with a lot of anxiety and uh, never really liked big cities. Um, Tended to worry about um, just being around lots of people and um, a lot of the um, things that people would fear about a big city. I also carried with me, so it's just interesting reflecting. that I even chose to go that route. Um, Hmm. But I went to New York City and fell in love with uh, the people there and the mission that we were doing. Um, We got to uh, walk the streets and get people um, a packed lunch and pray for them, and I just loved that. I loved sitting among people on a park bench and praying for them and then fell in love even more with the kids um, in Harlem when we worked in the preschool and just saw the needs there and really felt a calling um, on that mission trip that I was going to teach um, in an inner city um, or work in an inner city in some way. And so the following year, I actually led that trip. I was the student leader uh, for Spring Arbor for that trip. So I did two years in New York City, um, at the spring break trip. Um, and that's where I really felt um, a calling, I would say, for the first time to do inner city work. Um, so if you fast forward, I got married after graduating from Spring Arbor and um, we were called here to Rochester. My husband. Was um, has served as the youth pastor at Edgewood. And um, while we were here at Edgewood, there was a, a calling for the church to um, minister to a certain specific neighborhood in Rochester. Um, we have two doctors, Dr. Brown and Dr. Bayer, Bayer who have a, uh, a Jefferson medicine practice um, right in the neighborhood that we serve. And so they were really the ones who started this um, this mission work in the neighborhood and just saying, hey, our, our church needs to meet the needs needs here of this neighborhood and so that was right around the time that my husband and I came and so I began to start volunteering. And um, within the year, the, um, Edgewood was so on board that they said, we can. We see that you have a heart and passion. We want to hire somebody who can do this a full time and really be um, the liaison between our church and, and, the, and the community and, and being able to tell us what are the needs um, and, and helping us to meet those needs of the neighborhood that we've adopted.
0: Hmm. Wow. So, yeah, so it, it, even your your initial... Um, your personal in, initial um, interaction with the city of Rochester unit. You, know, you guys moved there, but it wasn't really about your ministry. It was about you know kind of a, coming alongside and, and supporting your husband's ministry as the youth pastor, it sounds like. Um, exactly.
1: My plan when we moved here was to teach. Um, oh. And so that was the direction I was headed. and then God had other plans and, and so thankful and blessed that he did have other plans for us while we were here.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting to look back on, you know, we, as we've just heard in, in this example of your story, look back on our lives and we see these, at times it may seem random. For example, well what was the purpose of this time in, in New York? I mean, it was so uh-huh. meaningful, but I'm not there anymore. I mean, was it all for nothing? Was it just for that time? And now, uh-huh. you know, you take that next step, you get into the role you're in now. And you get to see those connections. That, whoa, that was actually setting me up for, you know, what's going on here in an even deeper uh, ministry, mm-hmm. even deeper than what was happening in New York there. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that just those connections are, are great. So I, I know um, the, the ministry, I, I read the name of it in my life, it's the Healthy Harvest. And is that something new that, that's just started up as as your arrival? During your arrival?
1: So I would say that it began a year ago, um, before a year or two before we arrived um, here and um, in Rochester, uh, but it was just slowly starting. They had started a tutoring program and had about three or four kids that would come um, to that. Um, when I arrived, we were just starting to make connections with the school that we've adopted, um, Charles Lunsford School Number 19, which is just a block from um, the doctor's office, and then um, a block from there is our mentoring center that we have now. So we're really just a few blocks apart. We have these three buildings. It's almost like in the shape of a triangle kind of thing, and that's our focus is just this um, Mm. little area. So when when I came, I um, kicked off the Bible Club um, and started that. And just as a volunteer, just like anybody else in the church of, hey, this sounds interesting. I want to do this. And um, our first year Bible Club, we had 25 kids who stayed after school and just loved it. So we're now starting our eighth year of, um, of ministry. And, um, so it's certainly, certainly grown since, um, but so I would say that the, um, starting of it and the desires of it, um, started before I came. And then, um, then when I was hired two years after being here is when it really took off.
0: Okay. And so, of course, you just mentioned the Bible Club, but that's only a, a very small, I mean, in, in, in terms of a bigger scale, that's a, that's a large part, <laughs> but also yes. in, in the larger scale, it's a small part compared to what all happens. So I guess I I guess well, I guess well, we'll get specifically into the, de- the, the, the finer details in a moment, but let's start by just talking a little bit about what's the purpose and mission of Healthy Harvest. It was laid out pretty well in Light and Life, and so I wanted to make sure that was clear as we talk here.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, the purpose of Healthy Harvest Ministries is is to bring holistic transformation to a specific neighborhood in the um, South Plymouth-Jefferson neighborhood. So that was really important to us that we decided um, from the very beginning. We're Rochester is a big city. There's lots of needs, and it can get overwhelming very quickly, but we're choosing just a specific area, really just a few blocks, um, and within those few blocks, there's a school that we're going to say this is the school that our church is going to adopt, um, and there's a, a doctor's you know practice there, and so that's going to be um, where our doctors are going to serve those patients, um, and so uh, with that, we're really looking at bringing holistic transformation of meeting the needs of children and their families when it comes to financial needs to emotional needs to spiritual to academic um, we try to cover that whole umbrella uh, within um, that neighborhood
0: okay so what so as uh, those are that mission and this is this is with any ministry you know the mission the purpose that when we say those things it's a this big picture that then we go okay that all sounds great Now, how do we actually do that? (laughs) So how does that mission and that, that big picture purpose get played out in the average everyday work that's going on?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, and then it is—it's a huge undertaking, right? And um, so, uh, we do different things, uh, and I—I th- I would say all those intertwined. So, the—the um, f- the first thing is we've been blessed with a center um, that some people from our church um, were able to renovate the last year, uh, and so in—in in that building, we're open four days a week, two days for elementary kids, and two days a week for uh, middle school, high school kids. Um, and and if you remember me saying just a little bit ago, we had about three or four kids who would come when we started mm-hmm. um, and they would trickle in um, from time to time. They, they wouldn't always come consistently. But we are now at 20 kids that we serve um, four days a week. Um, and so uh when they come, they have a one-on-one mentor, and we do that on purpose. We're really intentional that their time with their mentor their tutor is with an adult. I feel that um, the kids are one of many in the schools and at home, and they desire to have somebody who's paying attention to them and investing in them. So they, during that time, they come for um, academic support. Um, but we also do a lot of things within that mentoring time um, to help learn social skills and um work through things that are going on at school or at home of how, you know, meeting the emotional needs right within um, our mentoring time. Um, But that's just one of the many things that we do at the, as was mentioned, at the school, we do a Bible club um, for kids second through fifth grade uh, that meets the spiritual need there. But we also work really hard to encourage the staff there. We know that it's a very hard job to work in the inner city uh, school district. And so we do, things to um, do surprise. for them um, or surprise uh, little gifts on their desk just to say, hey, we're praying for you. We love you guys. We appreciate the work that you're doing. Keep on keep on going. So that's part of us um, adopting and supporting the community uh, that we're serving. Um, But in addition, one of the things that we really work uh, with to help with um, meeting the physical needs of um, just helping with instilling some healthy lifestyles is we put in a community garden. Um, That families can come and have a plot of land to uh, during the summer to grow vegetables and those who can't make it to the community garden, we put in two by two gardens right in their front yard and they get to choose four vegetables that get planted. And um, then they take pride in caring for their vegetables all summer long. So those are just different ways that we're trying to meet the, the physical, spiritual needs. And I should mention that our kids that come consistently to Bible club and to our mentoring program if they come all year and are committed to our program Mm -hmm. we sponsor them to go to word life bible camp in the adirondacks for a week um during the summer so that's that's definitely a huge component of getting our kids and families invested to consistently come so um, we've just done five years of that we've taken over 60 kids to
0: camp wow that's awesome yeah and it gives the, the the reward system kind of that thing of well, well what are we working towards um, there are all those things that you know the, the, that are being worked on that they're working towards but to have an actual tangible thing you know hey at the end of this year this is what's what's in front of you um, you know that's a, that's a nice thing especially for kids to be able to look forward to Yes, um, definitely And then of course you have the added thing of once they're there they're, they're getting uh, even even deeper uh, as a cam- any camp scenario offers um, Uh that deeper help that they need, that deeper, uh, you know, connection. Um, now I'm thinking about, you know, this time in that we're, we're talking about kids here. This is a time in their life, um, where, you know, any child is being shaped, you know, for the future, good or bad, those things shape who they're going to become as an adult. Uh Um, and there were a lot of different things I was thinking about as you were talking. Um, and, uh, in a minute, I, I want to talk about some of the cycles um, that go on in in these lives that we're breaking. But one thing that I, that resonated, that I was thinking of um, that you can speak to or, or say, maybe it's maybe it's not the case for you. Um, as a youth pastor, I've been now, um, I'm a campus pastor now for two years. And I've also been a youth pastor in the Free Methodist Church for, I think, 13 years or so. Um, so as a youth pastor, what I've seen is um, some of the situations and and working with kids and teens and all this, when you pour so much into their lives and you're saying, oh, there's a, it looks like there's a lot of progress, there's a lot of progress, there's, there's things going on, and then you see, you know, some sort of, something happens. They, you know, they, they go off the wrong path. They make the wrong decision. They do the wrong thing. And it's like now they're totally, seemingly, back at square one maybe. You know, it seems as if they're just choosing the old ways again. It can be so discouraging. Um, for uh-huh. me and for people who, uh, you know, other people I've talked to, do you, do you have this, this, this uh, the same situation happening? Do you feel that discouragement, um, from time to time or is it, it have you guys had a really kind of, uh, encouraging, um, sense as you've, have you, as you've gone through this progress, how has it been? I'm um, working with, with, with teams who kind of go back and forth and those types of things.
1: Oh, certainly. I I mean, I think any time that you're working with people, um, whether it's kids or just, um, you know, invested in your own family members, we all fall short and have um, times that, you know, uh, we get off the path kind of thing. And so I think the first thing for me that I've um, really had to remember is that I am not their savior and I'm not God. And thank goodness I'm not, um, that they... um, that, that God loves them deeply and um, he's not done yet. The work's not done. Um, and I think just reminding ourselves and reminding the team, even reminding Edgewood that we're not committed to, yes, we'd love to see progress and love to see lives change, but we, um, what our commitment is, is to just show up and to be part of the journey. Mm-hmm. And for some of those kids, that might mean that we get to see the end result of them um, finishing school, of them um, uh, learning to love better, uh, making better choices at school and not getting in fights, that kind of thing. And for others, uh, we might not ever see that. Um, And so, uh, yes, there's definitely times that uh, I would say, to be honest, there are more times I'm discouraged than I'm encouraged. But it feels like God um, gives us that extra um, encouragement right when we're about to give up and wonder if we're really making a difference difference um in the lives of kids or in their uh the lives of their parents that kind of thing and so yeah I've certainly seen um even in the last year some real successes of being able to take kids um The way I would describe it is that a lot of our kids are at a negative 10 in their faith journey and their journey of life of becoming successful, and we might get them to a negative 7 or negative Mm 6. So we're getting them closer, but um, they're still a long way ahead. Um, And others, we've moved from a 0 to a 5, but it's just being committed to the journey um, and not necessarily to being committed or giving up um, on kids that we might not get to see uh, the end result that we really want to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that is the the danger for um, you know, some or, or the temptation for anybody is to say, Okay, well this, you know, this person's too far gone. We gave it a chance and, you know, they didn't respond or they you know, they looked like they were mm-hmm. doing well and they didn't so now we're just gonna kinda of give up and move on to the next, you know, child. Okay. And that could be the temptation for anybody you know, working with people is to just say, "Oh, well, you know, they're too far gone." Um, and to, <laughs> as you said, yeah, that's that's great what you what you talked about. Um, well, so what are what are some of, specifically some of the cycles that you've seen um, surfacing in the lives of the people that you've worked with, um, and why are these cycles so important to break?
1: Yeah, so I think. Um obviously the, the families uh, that we're serving are in poverty and I think one of the things that a lot of us have a misconception of is that when somebody's in poverty it's just a financial issue but really when somebody's in poverty um, it's not just a financial point but um, poverty from having a good edu- education um, or even having a community or family support and all these things are intertwined um, so with these cycles that we see you see something like um, when when a person's impact. They are in survival mode in every aspect of their life. And so um, when they're short on money and the car breaks down, they might have enough money to to pay just the bills for the the month. But if something um, extra happens, like their car breaks down, they don't have that cushion of um, being able to get it fixed. And so then that affects everything. That affects not being able to get the kids to school on time. Um, And so then the kids just don't go to school. There's not... um, understanding of how important an education is because for many of our families um, or the kids that we serve their parents aren't even high school graduates and so there's not this if they miss school for three or four days it's not seen as um, a dire issue um, because for them there's not this uh this planning for the future of why it's so important to have to have an education um and even a lack of family support or community or church family that comes alongside them that is something that we see that um when you're talking to families and you find out um that they've gone two or three weeks without um certain things that you and I would easily call on our family for a coat for our kid. Um, if we didn't have the money, we would call on grandma or we'd call on somebody from church just to help us, that kind of thing. And so you find out these things two or three weeks later and realize that they're not even, um, they don't even feel like they have people to call on um, that are um, in their boat to be able to, to support them when they need or somebody to call when they're in a really down time. So I would say that these cycles of, of um, not having um, – like the financial needs or, or even their emotional needs that all, when one of those areas isn't met, then it seems to crumble everything else in their life. Um, and so we see that over and over. Um, and you usually start to know something's happening when a kid doesn't start showing up for mentoring and you realize, well, it's because they didn't have enough money to pay for gas to get there. And that's mm. because they were sick for a couple of weeks. And so then they weren't at their job. And so all these things, um, affect everything. Um, so that's what I would say is, uh, the, and it seems like it's very hard to get ahead. There might be a mom who gets a raise at work or gets, um, extra hours. Uh, but then, um, the, uh, dss finds out and so they lower how much they give towards their mortgage and so then that puts the mother back in a, a, a real problem of not being able to pay for housing um so these are just the cycles that go on and on each and every year that we see
0: hmm. and this just gives us again the conversation that um, people who are not in that situation people who you know don't struggle to pay the bills um and and don't know anybody who, you know, have never took the time to know anybody who is in that situation can just make, you know, generalizations to say, well, you know, these people, they need to go out and get a job. People need to get out there and, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, well, okay, you start to get to know people. You start to find out the situations and you just given an example. You know, it's like, okay, well, one thing goes wrong. You have an older car, breaks down. Well, now you don't have, you can't fix the car, so you can't get to work. You know, there's so many aspects to this more than just, you know, the, the, the kind of generalizations that have been put out there about, you know, people who, who, have, who struggle to pay bills or, or struggle to kind of keep the, keep the finances together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so the, it, it's these very small, seemingly even possibly to, to some of us, insignificant things. Well, that doesn't seem that big of a deal, but actually those small little things then have kind of a domino effect. Uh, exactly. In these other areas, and even I'm, I'm even thinking, um, you know, even even uh, more serious areas in terms of you know conversations we've had on here um, with the set free movement. And I know you guys over there have a um, Edgewood abolitionists uh, um, part of, part of the set free movement there because again, this is this okay when the money doesn't come in and, and people don't have opportunities. Now it's a higher risk for human trafficking. There's all sorts mm-hmm. of different things that kind of pop up. Um, mm-hmm. that, you know, you would never consider beforehand. Mm-hmm. And now you're falling into that risk zone because of these, again, seemingly small things on the on the front end. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we talk about these hardships and we think about the the neglect in some of the families, abuse sometimes, uh, the other negative things that have been involved that other, that people have been forced to endure. So why is the role of, Jesus in their healing so vital and so in other words some people would say well you know we can just kind of leave the spiritual stuff off to the side why don't we address the physical emotional psychological harm get people whole in that way and we don't need to bring in you know the church stuff
1: yeah yeah so if I could sum it up in one word I would just say hope that Jesus brings hope and um, people that are just living um day to day and so much pain and hurt. Um, they need hope. They need to know that there's something more out there. And, um, they cling to those words that, um, Jesus promises that, you know, that there is, that he's overcome the world and that there, um, that in this world, there may be troubles and, and that they, it may not, um, they may be living in this forever we can't promise that um you know as much as we try to get them out of these cycles that um but at least we can give them the hope that there's more to come and something better and that they they do have someone who loves them deeply and is um, somebody somebody that they can talk to day to day. Um, and so that is what is so important for the teens and their parents to be able to cling to the hope of Jesus uh, when all else seems to be failing and it, when it does seem so lonely like nobody else cares or wants them. And mm-hmm. so that's, that is why it's so important to... Um, bring Jesus in uh, to to these people's lives. And for many of them, um, they don't know who Jesus is. Uh, And so that's what is such a blessing for us to be able to, um, even at Bible Club, what excites me the most is telling a story for the first time for kids in fifth or sixth grade who've never heard a story of Jesus healing and the questions that they ask as they hear it for the first time. Um, Or when a mother is so eager for you to pray for them because they haven't ever had that experience of suffering. Somebody laying hands on her and praying for her or praying over her, um, and and so I, I do believe that that, that that's what um, Jesus brings as hope to these to these families' lives.
0: Yeah, that's and again, that's just something that that uh, possibly some listeners. It's like, wow, that's hard to believe if they've spent their whole life in the church. You know, they we think of oh, people who haven't. Uh, heard of Jesus or people who haven't, um, you know, had an experience of someone praying for them. We think, oh, well, well the tribes, you know, in some far off land that's never really, you know, had a missionary go out. That's that's where the minds go. But, you know, someone who's been in their church their whole life to think, well, there's people right in my community that have never yeah. had anyone pray for them. It's, it's almost unbelievable. But this is, you know, I, I can think of a similar story of, uh, you know, a, a kid that was kind of uh, only in our neighborhood um, who... Just last summer, um, his dad uh, is, you know, abusive, alcoholic and stuff, so he was kind of on the streets and nobody really knew where he came from. We couldn't figure it out at first. The people on our street he just showed up one day and was kind of just hanging out and, and late into the night. And long story short, um, as the police tried to figure out the details, the police ended up asking if he could stay at my house overnight. So I was like, uh, okay. So I, I had him stay in one of our rooms and... Um, I had one of the teen Bibles that I would give to the teens at youth group, and I said, Hey, I'll, I wanted you to have this. And I said, Did you ever, you know, have you ever read the Bible? He didn't even, he didn't know what a Bible was. And he was like, he was like 15 years old. Yeah. Um, and I said, Well, okay, well, look at, you know, uh, you can start by, you know, looking at the stories of Jesus. So I led him to one of the Gospels, and I said, Now, do you know who Jesus is? And he was, he, I guess he knew somebody. He had heard about somebody who was like a kid named Jesus. So he said, isn't that that guy who got hit by a car? And I said, no, no, not that Jesus. Like we I was like trying to explain to him who Jesus was. He had never heard of Jesus before. And you think a 15-year-old never heard of Jesus in America in Youngstown, Ohio. But, you know, that's the case. And so um, it, it's exactly like you said. And then also something that you said also, I was thinking of of that um, presence in their lives. And we think, of course, of people who have experienced neglect or you know somebody maybe parents aren't involved um you know they need a, a, a force in their lives like christ but also there are all sorts of examples of you know people who have great um people in their lives maybe a grandparent a parent or a spouse or whoever but the the reality is that unfortunately you know everybody dies one day and so if uh-huh. all of your hope is in hey i do have somebody in my life it's my grandma or it's my so-and-so Well, that person Uh could pass away, and so they need that longer-lasting presence um, that isn't going to just be rooted in a a person that could be gone tomorrow, you know? Exactly. Um, So, you know, there, uh, there is often, you know, from outside the church that argument, you know, that question of, well, why don't we just leave that stuff out? But then sometimes, sometimes within the church, there's the alternative view. There's the opposite view. They say, well... You know, why do we need to get into psychology and why do we need to get into, you know, addressing uh, the physical, emotional needs? What, what's, what's that about? Why not with the church just address, you know, isn't it possible to just address a person's deep hurts by just telling them about Jesus and taking a spiritual approach? Uh, what, what would you say to someone who would say something like that?
1: Yeah, so it all is intertwined. Um, and I think back about my days in college one of the first things we learned in education class was um, something called the Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, where uh, we were taught that kids are not going to learn and hear anything that you have to teach them unless they have their basic physical needs met, that they know that they're in a safe place, that they've been fed, that they know that they're loved and that they're clothed. Um, and I, I see that firsthand right in our school you have kids who come in um, they do get uh, free breakfast and lunch uh, at the school and and they come in hungry you see a lot of them even I would say traumatized you don't know what happened the night before um, at home uh, or what they've witnessed and seen and and so they come in all um, flustered really and you can just tell that they're not ready to learn you know for them how can they even begin to hear um, or want to learn how to read or to do their math if um you know they watched a mom get hit last night or uh dad um get drunk or be on drugs, that kind of thing. Um, um, so uh definitely those basic needs need to be met before um they can really hear um anything that you have to say. Um, They need to know that they're loved and cared for with their basic needs. And I would say even when we look at the Bible, when Jesus was here on earth, um, he met physical needs. Um, He sat among people, you know, listened to people. Um, It wasn't all just... um, explaining who he was, um, he, he healed people. Um, and those are the things that need to be addressed first. They all are intertwined. And, and I, I would say we do a really good balance of not, um, just doing the spiritual aspect or just doing the academic or just doing the emotional. Um, we, it's almost like a, a trickle effect. We do a little bit of each, each time that we're with, with the kids or with the families, um, to put a little bit of um, the spiritual aspect in it, but also um, doing that over a meal together, a family meal, um, so that we're all well fed together. Um, and I guess one thing that I didn't mention that I think is really important about our mystery: we really make sure Healthy Harvest is not about um, the people who are wealthy or even white people per se going into a poverty-stricken, um, mainly um, African American community and and sending them message that we're here to help you it's we're coming in to be among you to be family to be a community so when we have like just last saturday we had a, a family thanksgiving together and it was not um the mentors serving their families they were sitting at the table being served um a meal with their families that they're with every um every day it's not uh, uh so we make a really uh we're very We make a great effort to make sure that it's not us serving you. And I would say that um, over the years, our mentors have been just as blessed by the kids, um, if not more blessed than um, them blessing the kids. There have been many stories of our mentors saying, you know, God gave me just the right kid that I needed for what I was going through in my life. Um, so definitely wanting to make it a level ground of, um, you help me and I help you. We're here together. We're in, in this life journey together.
0: Yeah, that's great. And there's, and there's so many, um, um, different levels of, of where we could go the wrong way. And you gave one example of, well, we're coming in here to, to rescue the people from this and, Mm -hmm. and, and people do that, um, kind of on missions terms and other yes. countries too. America's going to go and they're going to rescue you know such and such again we could use a, a try a tribe or something we're going to go in there with our American ways and we're going to rescue them or something so it's it's again about that you know coming alongside people um, mm-hmm. and when you find out the needs to think back to you know all the things we've been talking about you know the needs are I guess that we could, we could say for sure the greatest need is of course spiritual because that goes on past this life but You know, on this show, um, we just wrapped up over the course of time, we taught through the entire book of James. And so, like, James basically talked about that back in um, chapter 2. He says, uh, chapter 2, verse 15, he says, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And so, if we were to just offer all the, the, the spiritual answers. Okay, well that is important, but we're saying, Oh, well that's too bad, all these you have all these problems and we're not gonna come alongside somebody, um, to really not just to give not just to give a, a, a daily sandwich, but to say, hey, how are we gonna address the the deeper problems, which is what you know what you guys are doing there you're not just saying hey come by once a day and we're going to give you some food that that would be helpful but what is even more helpful is to address well what are the real issues that are causing this in the first place um, and let's all kind of come together here and and come, come to this solution um, so the parents are working with you you're working with the kids you're you're all kind of coming into this into this, as, as this team to address the, the city that you live in, you know, as a community. And that's a, exactly kind of what you're saying is just that this idea of joining together. Um, and all of us can do that in one degree or another in our own communities, whether you have a ministry similarly that's set up to what's set up here, or um, if, you know, you're just living in a, in a, in a neighborhood. Um, there are all sorts of degrees that you as an individual or as a church can do these types of things. Um, yeah. Getting together with people and, and coming alongside them. So yeah, yeah I mean, this is all um, great stuff. I love to, to learn um, about different ministries like this because it just inspires, you know, people across, across um, well, across America, it inspires me, but also people across America to kind of start doing things. Um, so it, actually, let me ask you this, is there a, a good way people could contact you if they want to talk more about possibly doing something similar in their area?
1: certainly uh well there's a lot more explained on our edgewood uh website um and there's a my email is on there um again my name is kim Roth, so you can just email me right from there from the edgewood website um i'm right under the healthy harvest ministries and i'd be glad to um, talk to anybody who's interested um and starting something like this, my encouragement would be, it can be very overwhelming. We're in our eighth year and we're constantly tweaking and growing and we're just growing based on the needs of our specific people. So we tweak things based on how old our kids are growing, you know, what ages they are and and the needs of them as they get older. So when somebody's starting something like this, you start small and you start with what you, what you can do. Um, So whether that's just adopting a class, not a whole school or picking just one family that you're going to love on um so that would be my encouragement that you start small and then let god grow it um from there um but certainly you can reach me uh through email um and i'd be glad to to talk to whoever's
0: interested yeah that's great and i know uh even some of those smaller things you just mentioned you know getting into a classroom or something for for many people it's like oh that's too much that's impossible for me I, i can't do that and and for any of us to do as you're in as you as an individual or even you say all the people in your church it would it is impossible but with God it is not impossible so you know these things are are we need to look past just our own you know strengths or whatever that we say well I, I don't think I could do it um, and what, what's interesting is I found I found recently more and more um, the things that are most important to do are a lot of times the things that like are, are so overwhelming to begin that we often go, I, I'm not even going to start. Um, Uh I don't know why that is. It's just that that we're like, it's the last thing we want to do. The things that are the most meaningful in life, um, because they take a lot of work. They take a lot of, there's no shortcuts to do them. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's going to be hard work to make the kind of community where you live, the kind of a place, um, you know, that, that is worth living in and, and that God would want it to be um, but that doesn't mean that you avoid the work doing so if you're out there and you're saying oh you know I feel that I should be doing something um, but oh, I just can't you know that, that you can't use those excuses you need to take that next step uh, have that conversation whatever it is um, and begin moving in the direction that God would have you move in. Um, so Well, thanks uh, thanks a lot, um, Kim, for coming on and talking to us. I'm going to put the link to Edgewood's website in the show notes today, so anybody can go and and click on that. Um, And uh, if you guys have any uh, big things coming up or any updates, let us know, and we want to share all that stuff that's coming out.
1: Sounds great.
0: Okay. Well, thank you again.
1: Yes. All right. Have a good day. You too.